0: Resilience. Resilience. resilience the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties toughness the ability of a substance or object to spring back into shape. resilience this is the black resilience podcast where we have real talk about real issues in order to get to real solutions get ready for raw and bold conversations about everything that impacts the lives of black people and america black people in america sleeping in bed. No more back thinking, time for thinking ahead. The world's changed so very much of what it used to be. There's so much hatred, war and
1: poverty. Hello everyone. Welcome to the Black Resilience Podcast. I am Edith, the creating host of the show.
2: And I'm Randy, the co-host. Again, like Edith, welcome everyone.
1: How you doing, Randy? Uh, you know
2: what? I'm, I'm doing well. Um, You know, we just went through an inauguration. And um, quite honestly, I I feel like a weight has been lifted mm-hmm. off this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, uh, there are some things about this country that was uh, identified during these turbulent four years, and particularly the last probably year, uh, that, you know, really forced us why we have this podcast. Right. There's a lot of issues related to... To black folks and I you know and I you know you have something special planned today which is very relevant and I can't wait to get involved in this
1: yeah yeah absolutely Randy what Randy is referring to as far as what we have planned today for the show is to talk about a very sensitive topic I mean it's it's ugly Mm -hmm. but we need to to bring it bring more about it to light especially in the black community. That's right. And we're talking about human trafficking. That's right. January, which is the time, the month that we're recording this podcast, is Human Trafficking Awareness Month. And the whole purpose of dedicating this month to human trafficking awareness is to educate people about what human trafficking really is, so if they see something, they can do something.
2: That's right. Prevention and saving someone from it.
1: Absolutely. So it's it is something that for this platform we want to make sure that everybody is aware of, um, and 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 know and understand, um, you know how important this is, and also to be a part of ending it because it is something that as humans we can end. Right.
2: And, you know, when we hear human trafficking, a lot of times, many of us, our minds go to, we think of human trafficking in terms of international. Mm-hmm. Um, when you hear what our guests say today, right? Uh, human trafficking a lot of times is in your own neighborhood.
1: Absolutely.
2: And we know this by being by being based here in Atlanta. Our young brown and black sisters are the most vulnerable ones for this.
1: Absolutely. I didn't realize, Randy, but um, there are 24.9 million people who have been victimized as a result of human trafficking, who are forced into human trafficking. And 71% of that is um, women and girls. I had no idea. 24.9 million.
2: That's That's insane. Yeah, that's, that's unconscionable. That's really unconscionable. And, you know, I was looking at some stats of the top ten states when it comes to human trafficking. You know, Nevada is number one. Mississippi is number two. Wow,
1: Mississippi?
2: That's right, Mississippi.
1: Wow.
2: Florida is number three. And our home state, Georgia, is number four.
1: I am not surprised.
2: Delaware is number five. Ohio is number six. California is number seven. Missouri is number eight. Texas is number nine. And Michigan is number ten. What's interesting is when you look at the states of Mississippi, Georgia, uh, and Michigan, those they have high concentrations of African Americans in metropolitan areas.
1: Whoa.
2: Okay. So this is this is not an international this is not an internationally based this issue. Is
1: very local. Very it, local. It, mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And very local. And you know, Human trafficking, as our guests will tell you, comes in many forms. Yes, yes, many forms. And you know, don't you know? I know people have seen the movie Taken, mm-hmm. where you know the the young white girl goes overseas, and all of a sudden she's kidnapped. Except, no, no. it's happening here in America,
1: mm-hmm. and it's black and brown girls.
2: That's right. And Atlanta is one of the top destinations. Yep. And so this human trafficking the little girls and little boys you see Mm -hmm. in your communities that you've never seen before that seem to be acting a little strange, a little shy, many of them could be victims of
1: this. Right, right. So that is why it is so important to have this conversation um, about this particular topic. And what I've decided to do, Randy, is make this a three-part series. It should be. Yeah, it's no way in the world we can... Bring awareness about this issue just in one show.
2: Right, right. This is a much deeper issue. This, right. this is not a, you know, this is not a, a five-minute topic conversation right here. Mm. This is, this is some deep stuff.
1: So, this three-part series is definitely going to, you know, talk more about what human trafficking is, as far as the labor and sexual exploitation of it. Mm-hmm. It's all. We also going to talk about how. COVID-19 has
2: impacted
1: this um, criminal activity, and then also what we can do. So I'm so excited to have some outstanding, remarkable guests on uh, the show as a part of this three-part series.
2: That's right. People who are very knowledgeable, who are basically experts in this field.
1: Right, 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 right. So of course, we're going to have, you know, who's no stranger to the show. That's right my girl and mentor Deborah Richardson the one and only the one and only and she's going to come on and 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 really talk a little about what is human trafficking because Deborah is the executive director of the International Human Trafficking Institute here wow. in Atlanta wow which is an initiative of the National Center for Civil and Human Rights wow so Deborah's going to come on and talk to us, um, and then we're going to be talking to Mr. Ronald Mezzanique. I believe I pronounced his last name correctly. If not, he will correct me when he comes on. But he's going to uh, be a, a part of part two of this series, which we are going to talk about why men can help end human trafficking.
2: That's right. As a father of two young ladies, this is very this is very near and dear to me. So all you brothers out there who are listening. Uh, you may not be a father, but you know, you might be a brother, you might be a cousin, you might be an uncle. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are some young ladies in your lives and you need to understand how you can protect them.
1: Right, exactly. And then uh, part three, we're going to touch on what parents need to talk to their kids about as it relates to human trafficking
2: right and who's going to lead that conversation
1: miss star davis oh wow who is the founder and executive director of the star institute Gotcha. gotcha so i am very excited about this series um i think it's a extremely important topic and again i just don't think in the black community we talk enough about it
2: you're right so you know what let's get started
1: yeah absolutely Absolutely. So when we get back, we'll have our first guest, Deborah Richardson, to speak with us about uh, human trafficking. Okay. We'll be right back.
0: You've been listening to the Black Resilience Podcast. Real talk, real issues, real solutions.
1: All right. Welcome back, everyone. Mm-hmm. We have with us Miss Deborah Richardson. Yay. As we shared earlier, Deborah uh is no stranger to Black Resilience Podcast. But today Deborah is we're going to be speaking with Deborah in a different capacity because as What's I shared that? earlier, she is the executive director of the International Human Trafficking Institute.
2: That's a mouthful, and it sounds like it's very important.
1: Yes, it is. So, let me just kind of share with our listeners a little bit about Deborah's work in this space. Well, Deborah, of course, is a nationally recognized expert on social justice for women and girls and advocate to end human trafficking. Since 2019, she has led advocacy efforts in public policy and created impactful services for sexually exploited girls. She coordinated campaigns to eradicate the facilitation of trafficking on online platforms, testified before Congress, and advised more than 30 communications throughout the United States, including Puerto Rico, on organizing and implementing their efforts to address child sexual exploitation. She is currently, as I shared with you guys, uh, the Executive Director of the International Human Trafficking Institute of the National Center for Civil and Human Rights, leading a three-year strategic plan to reduce human trafficking in metro Atlanta. Deborah founded this uh, Human Trafficking Institute in 2014 in her role as the executive vice president of the Center for Civil and Human Rights, and that's where she and I met. Many organizations recognize Deborah for her contributions in addressing human trafficking and empowering women and girls. Among them at, are the Atlanta Regional Commission, Atlanta City Council, Auburn Theological Seminary, Georgia Voices for Children, Spelman College Board of Trustees, and Shared Hope International. So we have a gym with us.
2: Oh, more than a gym. More <laughs> yeah. than a gym. I mean, yeah. th- I mean that that grocery list of of accolades, it's just phenomenal. And, and I'm glad you're here with us, Deborah, uh, to really talk about this, to really talk about this issue. And, you know, before we really get started, I think I like to ground people uh, about the topic. And would you please explain what is human trafficking?
3: Right. I'm glad you asked that question because it is one of these issues that is really not clearly defined. And there's a lot of myths and untruths about it. So, what human trafficking is. The exportation of a person for forced labor, sex, pornography, or other acts such as food, drugs, and shelter. So that means that, and we will give you a couple examples. One is if you're a young teenage boy and your parents just got laid off and you see an ad on social media saying, hey, we want you to come and join this sales crew. And you get there, and you promise one amount of money, but you get another, a separate, a much smaller amount of money. Well, that's labor trafficking. Mm. Now, in terms of, yeah, in terms of sexual exploitation, and we're going to talk more about this later. Online solicitation of children to show um, themselves doing uh, new photos of themselves, sending it to a friend over the line, that that friend then posts on a public website. That's sexual exploitation. So you see, it's everyday situations. It's not the myth of some white van r- riding down the street and jumping out and grabbing a child and throwing them in the back of the van. I've been doing this work for 21 years, and I've never heard of that ever happening. Mm. That's just a myth. Ninety percent of children who are exploited are exploited by someone they already know.
1: Wow. Wow.
2: Wow. So it's not only children. It's also adults, Adults too, correct?
3: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, if it's um, if the person is under eighteen, is automatically a felony. However, you're right; people of all ages, all over the world, including Atlanta and in the United States, are, are absolutely exploited.
1: Yeah, and that was you know part of my ignorance because I mean I knew about human trafficking and you know have been um, you know very involved, especially when I worked. At the Center for Civil and Human Rights. But to be honest, prior to that, I always thought it was just children.
2: Right. Correct. And I always thought it was just, you know, prostitution. I did yeah. not understand
1: yes. it was labor. Labor. Yeah. Labor. That's that type another yeah. thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, working with the center and Deborah, I was truly enlightened and educated about, you know, that it's not just the sexual aspect and it's not just children. So I know for our listeners, that is something that, you know, we want them to completely understand that is different forms of human trafficking. It's not just the sexual aspect of it. So thank you for that information, Deborah. Um, What 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 groups are are, are most vulnerable when we talk about human trafficking? Talk to us about the the most vulnerable population or groups, if you will.
3: Correct. Human trafficking, so just think about the business model of human trafficking. Mm -hmm. So you have uh, someone who is providing the demand for the product. Mm -hmm. Then you have the middle person who goes and provides or finds that product to sell to the demand, and that's when we get to the vulnerability. Mm -hmm. It has been demonstrated worldwide, including the United States, Young people who are black or brown, who live in impoverished communities, who have or in schools where they are not performing up to grade level, and the school itself is subpar. Uh, adult uh, children who are already in the foster care system; mm-hmm. those are the most vulnerable, and they're vulnerable because they don't have the the solid families, solid resources. Uh, solid love and attention that any young person needs to thrive and the middle person in this case the trafficker knows that and has an instinct of picking out young people who are the most vulnerable in order to recruit them mm-hmm. now let's not forget about who's causing a demand if there wasn't a demand for these children' right. labor sex the trafficker would be out of business,
1: right? So we
3: need to examine who is creating the demand that is a the real cause of sexual and labor exploitation.
2: Wow, well, because I know in some communities, what I've read is that not only are they going after the trafficker, but they're going after the end user, the purchaser, whatever, uh, to to stop some of that demand by by visibly showing some type of showing the face of the people who. Who are, who are requiring these services or whatever. Um,
3: yes, absolutely. And if we will focus more efforts on that, we could end this a lot sooner. You know, I, you know, we all grew up in the South and we remember our parents and in my case, I lived through legal se- uh, segregation, but that no longer happens. Remember the drunk driving was not taken as serious as it is now, but it, If now, you know, there are penalties for driving drunk. So we were as serious about this as we were some other things. We could really end it.
1: Right. So
2: why, you know, I remember the drunk driving, the Mothers Against Drunk Driving Mad, how they
1: became
2: became a force in in the 70s, Mm -hmm. 70s and 80s. Why haven't we had that type of same type of fever, vigor
3: around human trafficking? Um, There are a couple of reasons. One is when you think about um, all social injustices, have to have a public policy agenda. Now, yeah, human trafficking has a public policy agenda. There are a lot of laws on the books, but they're not enforced. And the reason they're not enforced is because those who are creating demand for, sexual, for sex and labor trafficking, frankly, are primarily middle class. Men, when we did a study in uh, Metro Atlanta area, they all lived north of the city and made incomes of a hundred thousand or more, uh, and they were married with children. Mm. So this is the demand, right? And so these are the same people who are in who are elected officials. Mm-hmm. They're in businesses. You know, they're leading congregations, and so therefore, there's not that public will to hold these. Right, primarily being accountable.
2: So, yeah. so let me ask you this then, Deborah. So, I imagine many of the police jurisdictions around here have a a human trafficking unit, uh, a, a a unit that is you know supposed just to, just like a
1: drug unit, to go yeah. after these mm-hmm. individuals.
2: Is one of the problems is that some of those units actually have those predators in them, in mm-hmm. which slows oh, down, which slows the, down the 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 the, the
3: convictions,
2: or the of the of the arrests,
3: the arrests. Mm-hmm. Uh, answers, of course. Uh, so, number one, you make an assumption that, that most police departments have a human trafficking unit. That is really not the case. You would be astounded at how many large metropolitan Atlanta police departments do not have that unit. And since the pandemic, those who did have a unit, those resources have been redeployed to other resources. So, there's not a lot of active policing. But, yes, I have heard many young women I've worked with. Um, who explicitly talk about it. when the police comes to arrest the trafficker and quote rescue them? They demand to have sex, you know, with the person. And as a matter of fact, three Homeland Security officers were fired because they were having sex with the children they were detaining. Wow! So it's absolutely law enforcement is a part of it. Wow. But It's also judges. There was a case. In a, in a fairly large metropolitan Atlanta area, the jury found the uh, predator guilty, but the judge gave the person probation with a jail time saying that this was an upstanding businessman in this community. His fa- family had already suffered enough, so he was just going to have probation. Wow. So with would- twenty. 20- Go
2: ahead. So would he, was he labeled as a sexual predator or sexual
3: offender, offender. like like in most communities when no. Nope. Of course nope. not. He was not. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, twenty six percent of men who are convicted, and I'm talking about arrested, convicted of having sex with a child never spent a day in jail.
1: So basically yeah, one out of Fine, They just pay a hefty fine and then they go away. Exactly. It never goes on their record. Go. But Deborah. Exactly. My question is, you know, how has this pandemic impacted human trafficking? So I know there's probably a whole nother layer to this now that we're in a pandemic.
3: You're absolutely right. And it's just horrific. So we discovered starting uh, toward the end of March, you know, when the end of March, we went into sheltering in place. The, the Center for Missing and exploited Children in one month, 100 percent increase in the courts of predators approaching children online. Oh my and we were God. going, what in the world? And that was because children were at home on their devices. Mm-hmm. Parents think it's okay. They're just playing an innocent game or chat with somebody. But what they don't know is the person who the child is playing this game with is not another 15-year-old boy. It's a 30-, 40-year-old man. Wow. Who's befriending him. Uh, we have on the International Human Trafficking website – a wall of shame that is showing, to your point, Randy, all of the arrests that have taken place starting in 2020. We have a middle school resource officer who was texting girls that he had met in middle school and exchanging nude photos with them. Mm-hmm. We have a deputy chief of uh, the city um, of the county who was, um, had more than 100,000 which is a child pornography on his computer. So what has happened during the pandemic is it has taken it underground, on the Internet, and many more children have been approached than ever before.
1: Wow. So, Deborah, what are you... Go ahead.
3: I was just going to make this one point. And in April, the National Child Abuse Hotline saw a 2,000 increase and reports of sex abuse, child sexual abuse. And more than half of those calls were made by children themselves wow. saying, please stop wow. me. I'm, my parent is abusing me. Please, someone come get me. So we had shut down schools, we had shut down our uh, social workers with the Department of Family Children's Services. So nobody was taking care of or looking out for the children who were being horribly abused, sheltered in place with the abuser.
2: Mm. Wow. So you mean school was literally a refuge for these
3: young people.
1: Exactly.
3: That's the same exactly. exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Which, we have an article in the New York Times that, um, that said that there has been a exponential increase in youth suicide.
1: Oh, wow. Because
3: young people are totally disconnected. They're in bad situations at home. Uh, they have nothing to tether themselves with. And so they literally kill themselves. what how a man hung himself um, three days before his 13th birthday? So there are lots of reports about that. The mental health crisis that we're beginning to see because of children being not being connected with safe relationships and safe places.
2: Wow. Wow. I mean, this is this. I mean, this you know, th- this is more than just a crisis. Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah. Deborah, what what is your message to parents, um, you know, other adults that are around these young kids as it relates to making sure that they are more observant in the types of activities that their children are doing online? or the types of associations or other things that they are getting involved in that could potentially be leading them in the hands of predators. Um, What's your message uh, to parents as far as that is concerned?
3: Thank you for asking. We have created a free online Zoom training for parents need to know to keep your young person safe online. It identifies the websites that the FBI have identified as being the ones that are most dangerous for children, and they're the ones that are the most popular. Fortnite, Minecraft, TikTok, WhatsApp, predators are on those sites just yeah. as children are. So you get to see, we give you the list of those sites. We tell them how to set parental controls. There was one parent who took the course, was not connect the fact that her 12-year-old child had 8,000 friends. What? And understand, yes, how that what they thought it was. They, I mean, when she shared it, she was like, oh, you know, my, you know, my child loves social media. She's so popular. She is, But wait a second. What would a, what would a child say this she has this many friends? They're not a celebrity. Who are those people? So we so we tell parents, oh, sit down with your child and go to their friends list. If there's not a direct connection with them, like they go to school with them or their family or there, you know, and plug, delete them because you—that's too big of exposure for you for a young person to have online without you knowing who these people are. Wow, wow, wow! But also, on the, on
2: the, also as a follow-up to that, if you're not a parent, what signs should you, if you notice a child, let's say uh, the, the child is go to is in your your Sunday school teacher, and, and, and the child is one of your students. Or you're a student or teacher in a, in a, in a public school or private school, what are some of the signs that uh, we need to be aware of?
3: Thank you for that. Uh, the first thing is a change of personality and behavior. If you ask what used to be a really straight A student, all of a sudden is making barely, um, you know, failing or barely making the D grade, something has happened in that child's life, and you need to see that the system is a punishing child. For- the grades drop, find out what is going on that's causing particular trauma. Uh, if you're a child, or someone you know has a lot of new friends that you don't know how they met, uh, you need to be aware of that. Uh, particularly for those who are not parents, uh, and you're the aunt and uncle, This is you're the ones who can have this conversation about hey, who, who's on your friend list? Let's talk about that. You know that would be resistant to have that kind of conversation with the parent, but with the cool on of a neighbor friend, you can have that conversation about the danger of social media, but and as well as the fact that realizing that there are lots of the internet has provided a wide open landscape of threats, and we can never predict where it's going next to always be aware. If that's the thing, just engagement cannot be put on the back burner. It really needs to be very active, particularly during this period of time. I had a sheriff tell me once, he says, I would really drop my six out on the city, in a city park at 6 p.m. than to have them in their bedroom on their device. It is more dangerous for your child to be online that's on device. a device. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Yep. Wow. And we need to take it
1: seriously. Yeah. And that's what we were talking about um, in another conversation Randy and I had as it relates to, you know, human trafficking and how, you know, social media, although it's not the only platform, it is a platform, especially during a pandemic. That's where everybody turned to. So you have people getting into situations and liking and following folk they don't really know anything about, but because, you know, it, It looks like it's fun or it looks like it's it's something that's entertainment related or, you know, people are all into these celebrities and you just don't know, you know, what you're getting into. So it's another trap to, you know, get these young, you know, boys and girls to go to their sites and you just never know who's on the other side of that that computer. So that's just something that, you know, we all need to be very uh, conscious about, you know, and, and, and support each other and just making sure that our y- younger kids are not just going on all these crazy pages and getting involved in all this crazy stuff. But, yeah.
3: Yeah. Right. You, you nailed it. So I want to invite your audience to go on to the International Human Trafficking Institute website okay, and sign up for one of our three trainings. We have the parent training, and then we have training about, to your point, how do you recognize all forms of human trafficking and what you can do about it? And then we have on the site uh, an eye-opening experience. It's like a hour program, video program, that shows how human trafficking occurs, how young people are recruited for labor exploitation. We talk about the whole phenomenon of sugaring, uh, as well as how traffickers use a person who is is the same age as a child, like another teenager, another student, to recruit on his or her behalf. Mm. These are real life situations that will be on our website. And, and we always updating it and changing it. So at any time, we encourage people to go and get educated, to so learn something, so when they see something, they know what to do about it.
1: Okay, what is your web address, uh, Deborah? Can you share it with us again? Mm-hmm is institute.org ihti institute.org
3: correct
1: okay great great
2: Wow I mean, Deborah this is I mean this is phenomenal I know I'm gonna I'm gonna share the, the website with my family and friends um, because Please. because I think it's very important for all of us to be aware of, of what's going on I mean I know we've talked a lot about the sexual exploitation but you're absolutely right there's a whole labor exploitation mm-hmm. I mean people don't realize that uh-huh. many of the uh, the migrant workers are the uh, yep. are victims. Pro- are victims of this and this mm-hmm. has been going on for years, years.
1: absolutely
2: years
3: absolutely yep yeah, yeah absolutely yeah def- please invite me to uh, program on labor both wendy's and Chipotle um, last year had a multi-million dollar settlement on child labor abuses in their stores. Uh, Every time a person, you buy a bar of chocolate or you buy fresh seafood, there's 40% chance that that was made with child labor. So we have to be aware of our consumer habits and how that connects to our being, driving the demand for labor exploitation. Thank yeah. you for
2: bringing that up. Man. Yeah, I mean, you know, many of us, you know, we we a lot of us shop these major brands, and we don't realize there's a behind that brand as a lot of ugly things that are going on. Right.
1: right. right.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well,
2: yeah. we're going um, to definitely
1: post a link to your website. Again, that web address is IHTIinstitute.org. dot org. We're going to have a link to it on our uh, website as well, so our listeners can go there uh, and not just to listen to the show, but also to link onto your page so they they can get all the additional resources and information around human trafficking. Because again, it's in my opinion, we don't talk about it enough in the black community. And again, I'm speaking specifically to the black community and um, it's just a lot going on in this space that we are not aware of. And in order to be able to do something about it, we got to be aware of it. And we got to be able to know the signs. So, that's right. amen. Uh, you know, so you got to learn, you know, what is all about. And if you see something, then you have to do something. And there are resources. If you do uh, think you're witnessing, you know, someone that's being a victim of um, human trafficking, they are, you know resources, and I guess there's a, a website you can go to. Not the website, but there's a, a hotline number you can call too, right, Deborah?
3: Exactly, the National Human Trafficking Hotline. But all of that's on our website.
1: Great, okay. great, great. Okay. So go to the website, get the information you need, and also get the additional, um, um, the links about the different programs and the Zoom calls that they're going to be doing. All this information is very critical um, to help. Stop human trafficking.
2: Amen. Uh, right, right. I mean, um, I have just went to the website and I saw a lot of resources, such as even in some communities, some of the major organizations have safe safe havens plots for you.
1: Awesome. Okay. So. All righty. Well, this has been awesome, Deborah. I know we're going to have you back on at another time, but I just want to thank you because this topic is so important and. I, you know, as we were talking about earlier, this is, you know, part one of a three part series that we're doing on human trafficking awareness. And thank you for working with us to pull this together. You have been absolutely a blessing. Um, And thank you for continuing to do the work that you do in this space and in social justice in general. So thank you so much for your time.
2: Yeah, I echo the same sentiments, Deborah. I mean, you know, we, we need more and more people like you. Uh, to, to fight for this issue right here, because again, as either said, this issue is disproportionately affecting our communities, and we got to Absolutely. do something. And we got to do something to stop it. Again, thank you so much.
3: Exactly. Well, thank you for the opportunity to word it out.
1: All right, thank you so much, Deborah. Bye bye.
3: Bye bye.
0: You've been listening to the Black Resilience Podcast. Real talk. <clears throat> Real issues. Real solutions.
1: Until next time. Stay, stay healthy, healthy. Stay, stay strong, strong. Stay, stay resilient. Stay resilient. Resilient.
0: Resilient.
1: Resilient. Resilient. Resilient.
0: resilient. 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 Wake up. Everybody. We need. Wake up. Wake No more sleeping in there. No more backwards thinking. I'm Teach the children, the baby, the baby, the children, teach the baby, teach the children.